Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Or they've got like, for the interrogation, do they think they have the cootie catcher back? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find out if you committed this murder. Now give me a color. Bakersheet Boys here. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ethan Palmer, taking you through the cyberpunk streets of the Neon Dynasty set, Magic the Gathering, this week. With me, of course, is my two co-hosts. Guys, why don't you say hi at the exact same time? uh, Uh, Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's two improv styles. One, Jamie was mirroring. Pete was just counting with his fingers so Jamie could see when when to go. Yeah, uh, a real clash of the arts here on the Lore Boys, uh, Lore Boys show, but we, we like to think that it makes a, a nice melange. I've uh, I've definitely made it known uh, the, you know, like sometimes we I try to leave politics out of it, but every once in a while I do I, I do let it slip. But that uh, me, Peter O'Donoghue, host of the Lore Boys, or one of I I always vote against the the party in power that that supports improv comedy. I <laughs> I, I, I think it's an abomination. I'm, I, and I'm I'm the opposite. I'm the the improv wing of this government. I'm very pro improv. Think it's think it's hilarious at most levels. Incredibly fun to do as well. Uh, and Jamie, what's what's your I'm, stance? Um, James Miller. Don't be an improv centrist. I am an improv centrist. <laughs> he likes the big ones. He likes Who's Line, you know. Yeah. But he's see. <laughs> somebody's garage show yeah i'm like i'm <laughs> fine with it just don't ask me to like do anything for it or pay for it or anything like that yeah, but it can yeah, exist exactly. around me. as long as my taxes don't go up i'm fine with improv being around it. <laughs> yep. I was... improv improv tax what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> um i guess a little bit of housekeeping before we start the show this is the uh at time of release this is the second to last call before montreal comic-con uh, if you guys wanted to uh, reach, if you guys wanted to put it on our piece of corn, uh, July 9th is yes, the date that we will be in Montreal at Comic-Con with a little mini boys con taking place afterwards. we It's not organized. We're, we're not the type to organize things, so... Um, well, we can't say we can't say what bar it will, it'll be because our fans will blow up their phones the whole time that we're there. Right? Yeah, of course. So. It's like, yeah. Why need Can reservations? Talk to the lore boys? <laughs> Can I talk to the lore boys? Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think considering I think it's like maybe four people who are going to reach that I that I'm aware of. If they get four phone calls about just like, hey, you guys hosting boys con, I think that would be an appropriate thing to do. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but what about our haters? Let's dox. Stay tuned to the Discord if you can't make it to BoysCon, because we're going to dox whatever bar we go to. Yeah. You guys can, <laughs> what about our haters, in. though, if they like call in bomb threats and stuff to ruin BoysCon? Oh, yeah. Oh, true. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, uh, is this, this BoyCon? Yeah, I have a legitimate bomb threat. Also, stop trying to be so woke. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that guy, our arch enemy. Uh, uh, our one critic, really. I guarantee sure. he still listens to the show, 100%. Uh, um, the only other piece of housekeeping that I have is welcome to new patron Zekin. Uh, I think it's a pseudonym, but I'm not going to risk it with your second name. Uh, thanks so much for the support. It means a lot. Your second name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was Mr. Miller over there making fun of your name, good sir. Yeah. I would never do. Yeah. Canceled patron, of yeah. course. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah. Comic-Con going to be great. Uh, we're looking really forward to it. And, of course, uh, BoysCon is not like an official thing that you're missing out on. We're just going to drink. And we're going to have some beers with the people who, you know, yeah. had, had the, like, absolute, like, the good grace to show up i guess because I, I think it's, that's very cool it's very formally informal yeah uh but it is black tie so do bring yeah. do bring a tuxedo yeah black <laughs> tie corduroy pants though <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's all business up top business casual on bottom baby <laughs> i i can't remember if it was like in a gym class or something i had a pair of corduroys and like all my laundry was dirty at some point this is like an elementary school or high school or something and i was in a gym class and for some reason, I ended up at the corduroy pants and I climbed like halfway up the rope. This is I never made it up the rope, but it was like one of the furthest I'd ever made it and slid down and the rope wore off all of the corduroy ridges, <laughs> you know, like like the cornfield yeah, yeah. ridges that they put into it. Yeah. What, what makes corduroy corduroy? Yeah. And then it wore those off, like just on the inside of my thighs and in the grundle. So I had yeah. like a perfectly smooth inner thigh and grundle area on these pants and I could never oh, wear like, them again. Like corduroy chaps, basically? Basically, oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, <laughs> you got ridgeless chaps where it's just the asses. <laughs> well, firemen will uh, sand down their corduroys so they can get down the pole faster to the yeah, truck. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. 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 Is that considered like juicing? Is that like doping if you go down the pole too fast? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Only if you're at the fireman's uh, competition. So of I, at some strip clubs, they had the swirling poles. Do you think they ever have the swirling poles at the the fireman? Just for fun. Yeah, just, for, just so the boys can have some fun. On the way just down. Just them. Yeah. How's it going on? Well, Sexist if they don't. Okay. <laughs> Doctor Peterson tells us so. Well, yeah. they can always. <laughs> They can always check their six for fires that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the fire's gotten into the station. Yeah, what, if, what if it is a false call, false call so that they can am the fire can ambush the firefighters in the station, right? Oh, yeah. Fire will do that. The fire police, I like to call them. <laughs> I like to call them the fire brigade. Okay. Um, cool. Let's, let's jump into magic, huh? Our story yeah. today starts with two people in the lab working late one night. When our listeners behold an eerie sight. Um, so I did mention we are, we're talking Neon Dynasty of Kamigawa, which is a, a plane that we've covered on two previous episodes. If you want to know how we ended up here, you can listen to our two previous Kamigawa episodes. If you want to know more about Magic the Gathering, it's our most recorded topic we recently looked up. So uh, it starts with Urza. Is the, Urza, Urza and the Brothers War is where we start, but there's a ton of other episodes and kind of more standalone arcs that you can go listen to where we'll give a broader explanation of the card game Magic the Gathering. Um, we will talk a bit about the makeup of the world, which we, ha we did cover in the last two episodes, just as a, re a refresher, mostly for Jamie and Peter, because I do trust our listeners to have listened to what I said last time and remembered it. Not me. <laughs> And then we will jump into the story of a young lad named Kaito Shizuki. Uh, so the world is stabilized a millennium after the Kami War with Kyodai, the spiritual leader of the Kami, helping to appoint emperors for humanity based on what she thinks is best. So if you guys remember, 
it's, you know, a dictatorship, but it is, you know, uh, if the CIA was good uh, installing those dictators. Right. Um, And and has been doing a good job so far. um, Kamigawa as a whole, like, is doing pretty well. We talked about um, the two sides of the plane, the the, uh, material world and the spirit world slowly merging together, which is a process that has been happening over time. And it's been forming these things called mergings, these spaces of, of the plane where reality seems to be unfolding. Um, at the end of the last episode, we talked about how some scientists had managed to build gates on those places, on those points called merge gates, uh, while other right. scientists were like hardworking on like how to harness some of that energy. One of them invented like an endless power source from it. So we basically have like nuclear power plants around where these these merge gates are so they, they become very very important like parts of the world uh we have the order of jugan who we talked about last episode who are like these monks uh who descend from the not necessarily descend from the snake people but they're they're run by the orochi uh who whose main job is to act as like emissaries to kami who wander through the gates mistakenly as the spirit world shrinks uh, Kami are just getting ejected out into the material world. Usually they're scared, lost, confused, angry, whatever, and they can be quite dangerous. So there is kind of this whole uh, cultural industry, I guess, around you know greeting Kami as they enter and, and calming them down. Yeah, handing them the foil blanket and the white bread no crust single slice of cheese sandwich. And yeah, exactly. Uh, your passport will be arriving shortly. Yeah, huh. there's a social worker there. The fire brigade is just behind, just in case, you know. Yeah, keeping, with the hose ready. Yeah, yeah, spinning on their poles 360 degrees to see where the fire's coming. It's insane how long it takes to get a passport in Canada <laughs> these days, by the way. We'd <laughs> only be so lucky to get a... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. been crazy. Uh, yeah. I, 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 was, I was just going to say, I imagine your, uh, your spinning fire brigade... Fire Brigade is like a lighthouse, basically, where they've just got, like, one guy on a pole up in the top, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's a He's fire not, elemental who's just, yeah, dancing his heart out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so at the metaphorical center of things is Kawashi, uh, which is the sprawling urban hub and cultural center of Kamigawa. It's okay. the biggest city, and I have placed a picture, which I think I shared with you guys last time as well, of Tawashi in uh, our Discord channel. Uh, hi- hyper-futuristic, I think, is, is kind of fair to say. Very, like... Bonsai-style tree growing directly out of the middle of it. Yeah, exactly. So we, we did talk about the bonsai, the, the large tree. It was a tree called Bosaiju, uh, which um, was protected. If you guys remember, some dragons, like, incubated in there for a time before reemerging right, yeah. as their new forms. Right. Uh, it's like, anytime somebody builds a skyscraper taller it grows taller to always be the tallest thing <laughs> in the city, basically. Like it's the a mountain. Street. It's the mountain in yeah. Montreal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't build a skyscraper larger than Mount Royal because uh, it just grows. Yeah. yeah. But, it, um, is, it is gross. It is a dumb, dumb, like, old French Catholic rule, but I totally support it because I've been to Toronto and I've been to Edmonton and cities with taller buildings than we have in Montreal. It's fucking disgusting. Like I, uh, I, I've never been to New York city and it, the idea of it repulses me personally. And I'm glad that we can keep it, keep it, keep it short here. Have you it's ever been be shorter up- than the cross? There's like a 30 foot cross on the top of the mountain yeah. and you cannot build taller than the, the top of that. Plus, have you ever gone up in the, the mountain where all the rich people live? 
Like, if oh you, yeah, yeah, they, they, it, beautiful houses, ex- crazy expensive houses, but you have to be able to overlook everybody, right? You don't want some pleb yeah. in an office being able to look back at you at, at even level, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if if you want the next Boys Con to be hosted at one of these three story houses, literally carved into the side of a mountain, you can go over to Patreon.com/slash Lower Boys. Uh, yeah, uh, we we only really need like five or six million dollars because yeah. if if we all live together, then it but, reduces cost, right? And, and we just need one of you to give. We just created a new tier for $6 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to living alone, but if you gave us $6 million, I'd consider having a roommate again. If yeah. we had a, if we had one of those like on the mountain mansions, we could still theoretically live alone and like not interact for weeks at a time. Those That's houses true. are so big. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. could just put me in the basement. I'd be right at home. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, guys, guys uh, I was embezzling $10 a month for other uh, Patreon creators. If that's you think perfect. I'm not embezzling my $2 million share of that $6 billion, like, come on. Come on. Yeah, look at the embezzler. Already got a house, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, very suspicious. Serious, huh? <laughs> um, so I have a quote from you guys, for you guys, excuse me, not from. That'd be, yeah, that'd be from crazy. you guys is, uh, yeah. what's Kamigawa is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peter O'Donoghue, circa 2022. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's from the, <laughs> <laughs> it's from the Planeswalkers Guide to Kamigawa, a, a collaborative effort by Grace Fong, Emily Tang, and Ari Zirolnik. Kami and human al- alike live among its towering skyscrapers. The streets are always packed, no matter the time of day. Prime location along the coast makes it a hub for commerce, and its proximity to the forest provides shelter from the elements. Covering lanterns and neon lights brighten a lower city that would otherwise be drowned in shadows throughout the day, and those same lights transform the city at night into a beacon of dazzling colors. Um, I think it's it's fair to say it's pretty if you you know don't don't think about the the Blade Runner esque aspects of uh, you know capitalist hell future too much. Uh, but it does it, have a bit of that too. Is there a Keanu Reeves type character who smokes cigarettes and tells you about mysterious past things you can't remember? No, but more a lot of people do say samurai. That's okay. because it's it's Japanese themed probably more than anything. Okay. Uh, I, I probably said it on I definitely said it on last episode. I probably said it on the last two episodes. Like there's clearly some inspiration from Wizards of Coast creating this set to capitalize on that uh Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven popularity, right? Oh, okay. uh, I do think they did a good job, like kind of keeping it unique in the fact that they have their own like well huge large established canon not only in Magic the Gathering, which is huge, but specifically with Kamigawa, like they really did take like this ancient plane that was very like feudal Japan hundreds of years ago. And we're like, let's let's fucking rapid accelerate it to the future. Uh, and a lot of what we're going to talk about today is kind of the clash between magic and technology in this mm-hmm. setting, right? Which is which is something that Cyberpunk 2077 didn't necessarily have. It did kind of have like transcendence in the AI world and, and all things like that, but um, yeah. similar similar but different. I've uh, I've played 45 minutes of Shadowrun because um, I find that world very interesting, but those games, the turn-based ones, I just despise. <laughs> uh, but it's always been a really cool setting, the fantasy, the fantasy sci-fi cyberpunk crossover. I was listening uh, to a Shadowrun yeah. podcast last night, actually. It's very Traitor. cool. Very cool. <laughs> Traitor. You don't just listen to the lore boys, Jamie? <laughs> uh, I try not to as much as possible, but I do most of the editing. It, it rots the brain. So I yeah, probably fair. listen to the most out of all of us. Uh, 
by just because i have to edit but that's about it oh yeah i mean if you drop the needle to find the cold open you are listening to more lore boys than i am because i listen to precisely none yeah <laughs> except, except for before peter used to write down our ideas when he'd have to like, go back and re-listen to the episode to try that, and remember what the hell yeah that's about, true but. yeah i've that's gotten all, better at that yeah we used to work harder not smarter i think we used to listen to the whole thing while editing too now i just watch it and i, I see oh look do we drop here did we spike here just think about it uh did, was there something i wanted to cut a quote that I wanted to remove, I'll take that out, but I'll leave Ethan's and Peter's in all the stuff. That yeah, you don't yeah, exactly. All yeah. the all the bad things. We yeah. we all take the liberty. If I'm editing, I'm the only one that's going to sound not offensive on this episode. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, so leading to Washi is the Imperials at the Imperial Court, Iganjo Castle. You guys may remember they were founded by Kyodai when the plane was in need of leadership, and while peaceful means of governments are their prime directive, they're not afraid to bring the hammer down when they need to. Uh, go through Imperial training and you'll have a great list of trades waiting for you, like Samurai, uh, the aforementioned Samurai, Kami Intercessor, who's kind of like a diplomat to deal with uh, Kami, who are integrating into the Imperial world. Moth oh, you're Rider. working for Men in Black, basically. Yeah, exactly. Moth Rider, uh, which is something that we talked about before in, uh, in the oh, first nice. episode, the Kamigawa uh, of Takeshi Konda had these like great moths, which they used to ride to battle. Still a thing. They're still moth riders. Yeah. Uh, at, and again, that that beautiful kind of juxtaposition of the old and the new. You have moth riders followed by mech pilot. So you know you can really be whatever you want to be in, in <laughs> Neon Dynasty. There's definitely some like boomer boomer conflict between like the kids. It's just like you know, it's just like I'm sure this guy hated like when they switched the moths from standard to automatic, and now yeah. they have the. <laughs> The mech pilots is even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and if you're just born in the mech pilot life, that you like to leave your headlights on so the moth pilots run into you and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just no, we can't, we can't bring both companies to to bear during the night, sir. We'll we'll have to wait till morning to attack. Like, if we turn the headlights on the mechs, then the moths will be attracted to them. But if we don't, then the mechs will crash. So. Yeah. We'll send in the moth sappers to eat all of their clothes first, oh. and they'll have to show up to battle naked tomorrow sir don't worry about it <laughs> moth sappers in a fantasy context is so scary like imagine like having a fire at night and it attracts like this moth that just is gonna <laughs> blow up or something you always have to be under the oh, like, yeah. guise of darkness at night yeah. you, you launch a you launch a flaming trebuchet and then like strap a bunch of c4 to a bunch of moths <laughs> and <laughs> go into battle <laughs> if we ever get a bunch of lumber we don't know what to do with can we make a trebuchet i was watching oh yeah i, I was, think it'd be hey, so much fun we, we can we can get the lumber knowing what we're gonna do with it if you want that's I'm expensive yeah is it expensive to build a trebuchet uh. i mean it's a, i mean three three guy three early you know early life guys working good jobs so yeah i think we can afford it we can check we, we can yeah it. i mean how big we can yeah how big do you want how it to big be do you want it is a good question well like i want to like see like how, i want like the rock to go way farther than we thought we're i'm more go. worried we're, about we're gonna we're gonna price by size we're gonna get yeah. a couple of prices by size. Hello. i'm more worried about the counterweight because like you could just dump a bunch of gravel into some chicken wire as a counterweight right and then have that go like but like do you want to maybe like launch a basketball and see if we can get it to go swish because that would be sweet That'd or be do cool. you want to or do you want to fuck something up? No, I want two different price points. <laughs> I want to see a rock go like so much farther than I ever have seen one go. Like I want like a 15, 20 foot like trebuchet. I think that would be enough. Like 20 feet, the the full swing of that thing with the counterweight would have to be nice and heavy too. I'm on vacation for a month. If we want to start looking into this, we can yeah, wait. Yeah, we'll get this. 
I, we, I don't think we can build a trebuchet that big in the city. I think there's laws against it. I mean, we'll probably have to do it at my dad's or at Ethan's place. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if there's zoning laws on trebuchet ownership in the city, right? There's, <laughs> there's definitely parking rules on it. Like, you couldn't leave it in a parking spot. Well, you'd have to move it twice a week for the street. No, you'd, you'd need a plate. You can't, you can't use a parking spot without a license, right? Uh... You know, in Montreal, you can't also have a trebuchet that's taller than the mountain. That's also true. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, the mountain just grows, though, so I'm not sure. worried about that. Sure. That's, uh, you could never shoot a rock over the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> just land on the plateau, kill some hipster. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> So if you guys were, were trying to get your trebuchet license with the Imperials, anybody can join. Uh, there are plenty of families who have served for generations. We talked about one of them on the last episode who, like, stopped an assassination of the Emperor and changed how the, the Emperor was chosen. Uh, if you were to sign up, your training would probably take place at Iganjo Castle. It does seem quite large and like a lot of, you know, operations uh, go on there. Uh, it's built upon its former site, once destroyed by the great Kami Okagachi, who we talked about in our first episode. Uh, a seven-headed snake or whatever, the big white one? Yeah, exactly. The yep. one eating the Teletubby. Yes, uh, of course. <laughs> in, in the artwork. Uh, it has gotten a bit of a modern facelift, so I threw it in the in the chat for you guys. I don't know if you want to try and take a crack at describing it my my best way of describing it is it looks like an overwatch it does <laughs> it does well, a lot of a lot of neon moldings for some reason it's either an overwatch map or like an asmr girl's wall behind her yeah it's with the, the little the, the light ropes or whatever yeah uh a lot of a lot of glowing orange neon and then also like the pagoda rooftop style you know and like these these they're like white walls, which are supposed to look like traditional plaster walls, I think, but uh, happen to uh, be like metal plates of like sort of uh, technological something or other, sci-fi something. Um, so ancient architecture here is preserved as best it can be, but sleek modern structures are also very present. Iganjo is also home to both the Imperial Palace, seat of government, as well as the Shrine of Kyodai, so where that great Kami spirit, Kami of all Kamis, lived. I looked right. up. Uh, sorry, I, I looked up which Overwatch map, and it's Li Zhang. There's like Li Zhang Tower, Li Zhang Control Center, Li Zhang Garden, Li Zhang Night Market. Li Zhang is the one that uh, looks like that. There you go. Yeah. There okay. you go. Yeah. You gonna play uh, Overwatch yeah. two, Jamie? No, I, I like Blizzard, <laughs> man. I like Overwatch one, but I, I'm gonna try not to help them out yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So from the walls of the castle, you might spot Bosaiju, which we've talked about uh, a bit, which. Uh, kind of this great like pete described it looks like a bonsai oh, tree, tree yeah even though a bonsai isn't like a type of tree it's like a way of pruning a tree to keep it small this is quite large really uh, yeah bonsai is like oh. the the art of trimming a regular tree to look small basically huh um so yeah it's it's this like great like massive tree which sprawls over the city um i did mention the spirit dragons that incubated in it for a bit uh, its branches dwarf the surrounding skyscrapers, and the area, um, like along its trunk, acts uh, and at its base, acts as a base, uh, acts as a balance. Excuse me, between the artificial and the natural. Have uh, the dragons been priced out at this point? Now that uh, all these uh, yeah, it, towers are being put in, gentrified too hard. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I didn't, I didn't go any further into depth on the dragons uh, for this episode, so I don't know what they're up to these days, honestly. Uh, sent you guys a, another picture of uh, another picture. 
shows kind of what the uh, Bosaiju district might look like. A lot of like tree houses, rolling waterfalls, things like that. Very nature-like, but it is in the center of this like hyper-modern city. Oh, it looks like a recipe for water damage, to be honest. <laughs> Just waterfalls everywhere. Everything's wet. I'd rather be here. I like the, I know we like talked about, like joked about it earlier. I like the little kind of like disc shaped Jetsons pods that everybody lives in inside yeah. uh, the little. They look like, cozy. They look, thing. they look like you could, you know, I don't know. They're so small. Windows all around though. I don't yeah. know. There might be a, a thing for privacy there. Unless you, I guess you just but get the accordion. But they're all at different heights, right? So nobody oh, can really yeah. see straight in. Yeah. Yeah. They're all staggered. So uh, I can so, still have sex on the floor is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Or the ceiling. Or the ceiling. Uh, so the Vasaiju oh, yeah. district, built onto the side of the Great Tree, exists as a haven for those seeking to be in touch with nature. Um, it's like really like, hey, uh, we talked about it a bit last time, but it's like, hey, no more modern developments, like no more developments in the forest. Uh, you know, it's off limits kind of thing. Um, and of course, to parallel the dizzying heights of Bushaiju, no fantasy city would be complete without an undercity. This one is called the Undercity. Uh, oh, so, oh wow <laughs> right that's cool uh, i know my way uh, around uh, there really well <laughs> not the not the wow one it's it's a little different uh it's a lot uh, it's very much like the bleaker areas in cyberpunk it's just that where you find like a bunch of maelstrom gangers uh would be would be the undercity mm. uh, it exists in perpetual twilight cast by the shadow of the great tree and the towering skyscrapers that surround it the Tawashi undercity is a dangerous place largely controlled by the gangs we call it home so that's your your the table has been been set, you know, uh, dinner's ready. It's it's in this fast moving city uh, that our stories that our story begins. OK, so as I said earlier, it starts with two scientists hard at work in Toashi labs. There was a terrible accident and both of the scientists were exposed to a dangerous amount of radiation. What made this scientific accident somewhat unique other than radiation poisoning is that the two scientists were married. Isn't that nice? Whoa. Uh, how can two men be married? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can operate on this uh, radioactive block. It's my son. Uh, <laughs> it's the old riddle, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I like how many assumptions are, are, are baked into how can two men be married and both are scientists? Yeah. Like only men can be scientists and also they they can't be gay people yeah. can't be married, yeah. But they like um, they like they like the Curies, the people who discovered radium, like Mary and Philip Curie, were yeah. were, were married scientists and both died of radiation poisoning. Exactly. No way. Uh, Mary, yeah. Mary Curie used to carry around a little uh, vials of radium because she thought it was neat and she used to like show it off at parties. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and, and her body is still too radioactive to to not be in an enclosed vacuum. So yeah, it's crazy. There was some <laughs> other thing called like the radium girls, where like radium was in some kind of like foundation or some some form of makeup that I'm was so... given out to women in like the 30s and 40s it, or something. No, radium girls was the girls who worked with it, and because it was the because you'd paint with radium to make that, the oh, glow in the dark lines. Yeah. Excuse me, so yeah, they, yeah. they'd be painting products because that was a woman's job painting, of course. Right. Uh, they had little not, hands. Not fields. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, a lot of them ended up super radioactive as well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, not only were they married, they had two young children, twin. So the wife received more radiation than the husband, it seemed. Uh, it seemed like she wasn't going to make it. And he he was a little better off, I guess. 
like any true to fo- true to form cyberpunk esque capitalist hellscape, it seems like readily available medical care was not a given. Uh, you know, all the all the technology in the world, and you're still gonna you're still gonna let somebody die because they don't. Uh, <laughs> So the father turns to black market medical technology to try and save his wife, which was illegal at the time because hence black market yeah. uh, was arrested for it and thrown into, into prison. You're going to die of radiation poisoning in jail instead yeah. of so, naturally or in the hospital. Yeah. That would be ridiculous. He succumbs to his wounds alone in prison shortly before his wife died. Oh. Their children, Kaito and his sister Aiko, would grow up as orphans in the Imperial Palace, being trained to become the very force which threw their father into prison for trying to save his dying wife. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know what we can do with these orphans? Uh, who we created, the state. Um, <laughs> uh, Turn them into narcs. I mean, oh. pretty germane to a lot of stuff happening right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Kaido and Aiko were both brought up to serve, and Aiko took to the Imperial lifestyle much quicker than her twin brother. They learned under a kindly kitsune known as Light Paws. The kitsune, if you guys remember, are the fox people. We talked uh, about yes. eight, eight and a half tails. Uh, Light Paws has two tails, for reference. A, uh, Light Paws is a personal advisor to the emperor who had served training young wards in the palace for many generations of emperor now. Basically, they had set themselves uh, apart as dis- uh, distinguished. They live much longer than humans. So, so there's been this kind of like guide to the emperor for many generations now. Uh, and one of their tasks is deciding what to do with the orphans that get raised in the Imperial Palace. It's, it's, never, made, it's never made clear, like, which orphans get chosen for um, for being raised in the Imperial Palace. I'm going to guess Kaito and Aiko were chosen because it was a PR nightmare if they just, like, sent them off to some hovel somewhere. Like, that's just, that's a problem that you've just shuffled 30 years down the line for when they're adults, right? <laughs> um, also, if, if, if they're doing any type of, like, testing or anything, uh, twins are really valuable, right? Oh, true. Yeah, true, yeah. 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 Uh, so Kaito was known for uh, taking his lessons flippantly, wandering the rooftops between them, uh, which apparently were under patrolled, which we'll talk again about later, but it seems like a security risk to just like let an orphan walk around on the rooftops of the Imperial Palace. Uh, he'd sit atop the palace's buildings, sometimes with a snack stolen from the cafeteria, and watch the loyal samurai and Imperial surveillance mechs patrolling the courtyards below. I really like the idea of having a uh, Imperial Palace cafeteria that is just as bad as a cafeteria you're probably imagining right now with like the aluminum <laughs> lids and just like everything steamy all the time. Like everything's damp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what but, do you have, your majesty? It, I mean, that's... Uh, Ladle of cream corn, just straight onto the imperial platter that is encrusted with jewelry. Uh, I mentioned stealing, uh, like, like sitting up there with a stolen snack from the cafeteria, specifically because the first story of Kaito, the Kaito origin, starts with him, like, visiting the, the cafeteria and, like, stealing a snack using his uh, telekinesis. He's telekinetic, uh, I guess I could oh. mention. I think I mentioned it in a, a couple of paragraphs, but... Um, it does like specific like that's how the story kind of begins and that's exactly like the the chef or the the cook of the cafeteria is like hey you what are you doing stealing my sausage rolls again get <laughs> before he like runs off and goes and hangs out on the on the jobs so his sister Aiko was receptive to light pause teachings and just generally the imperial lifestyle like I said she was soon chosen to train as a kami diplomat one who would not only treat with the spirit realm, but also help the Order of Jugen in calming the enraged Kami periodically arrive unexpectedly. Uh, her brother, less obedience, doesn't have the patience for diplomacy. 
he does prove to be capable with the blade. He was naturally fast, and like I said, he has a bit of magic, mainly telekinesis. Okay. After training with Light Paws for a time, she had him lined up to be a samurai, but had to acknowledge his skills with a sword. The Emperor at the time, chosen by Kyodai as all were, was about the same age as Kaito. The Emperor's like a nine-year-old child. Uh, and the Emperor was in need of a sparring partner. So Light Paws pairs them up together, perhaps hoping that the Emperor's calm demeanor would calm Kaito as much as his skills would part on her. My best guess as to why he would choose this rather than like an adult to serve as the... I guess it's just a sparring partner, not not the, the Swordmaster, but what can you do? Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I, like by the time you're an adult, you're probably gonna be fighting people who are the same size as you and stuff. So it's just like scaling your your, your sparring partner down to similar skills. It's just, why not? Yeah. yeah. Plus, it's one less orphan to, to keep an eye on. You can just yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, slave you unattended with the emperor. That won't require any extra security. <laughs> uh, 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 you guys go hang up, hang out on the roof, so we don't have to watch either of you, would you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. So over the years, they spar together. Uh, the young orphan and the young emperor become friends. Despite Kato's reluctance at being a pawn of the Imperials, he does find himself like, hey, here's another kid that I, that's not my sister that I can interact with. It does seem like there's not a lot of other orphans or children in the Imperial Palace. It does seem like like the three that I've found mention of uh, are Kaito, Aiko, and the Emperor, basically. So okay. um, it, like, it's probably nice for that reason, and, and they do get along quite well and become pretty fast friends. Daycare's at the bottom of the fucking tree, kids. Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Do we want every telekinetic orphan here stealing our two-bite brownies from the yeah, calf? Yeah. Fuck no. <laughs> uh, and I... Uh, so I guess I could clarify. The, the emperor is a girl, uh, which emperor apparently is a gender-neutral term, um, whereas empress is the wife of an emperor specifically. But there's what? no... Really? There's no, yeah, I mean, can be used. You can use empress as huh. an empress, but it can also mean not. And specifically in Kamigawa... In Tawashi, Emperor is a gender-neutral term. So it was Emperor uh, Michiko Kanda as well, unlike the last episode. The first like president. Yeah, the first lady, yeah. or also the presidentress. Yeah, exactly. Yes, of course, <laughs> yes. Just, just like the president, Mr. Emperor, <laughs> Mr. Emperor Michiko Kanda. Uh, <laughs> presidentress Jill Biden is yeah. what we currently have. <laughs> but, but all the more so, like, I guess leaving them together at such like a formative time in their life. Uh, oh, they're going to get horny. <laughs> must must cause some tensions, right? Um, so one day while they're still relatively young, Kaido was idling on a rooftop watching as a train rolled into Aiganjo Station, surrounded by <laughs> mechs made to resemble origami animals patrolling the platform. He's just right. like that. He's just so, he was really into trains, like the guy who has the, the camera on his yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's that, that, <laughs> talk guy or youtube guy yeah i just added him on instagram i can't remember his name now but he's hilarious he's got like a french name but uh, google google funny train guy and it'll come a camera angle funny camera angle train guy and for sure i've done it in the past yeah i love the idea that they have origami styled mechs which is so (laughs) uh function over or like or it's so form Form over over function function. (laughs) it's just it's just like oh yeah like it can't walk forwards through a door because the iron crane wings on it are, you know, just there. So it has to like <laughs> shuffle, shuffle through everything. Or they've got like for the interrogation. Do they think they have the cootie catcher? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Very, 
We're going to find out if you committed this murder. Now give me a color. A number. Now a number. It'd be really funny if the mechs, like, by law, have to only be made out of one piece of sheet metal. Like, they they have to be all folded together. Uh, I mean, I can only assume, right? Uh, We'd make them pretty stiff, I think, but... Yeah. Um, Sorry. uh, So he's watching the the train roll in. The train itself was bore futurists from the floating city of Otawara, come to speak with the emperor's advisors. <laughs> um, it's basically this, this city in the sky, which was home to the moon folk originally, uh, now is open to all, although it still does have a palace, which is exclusively for moon folk. Talk briefly about the moon folk. They're like pale skinned people. We have met on past episodes, not even past Kamigawa episodes, but Tamio in the Innistrad episodes, I want to say. We talked about a bit. She's a moon folk uh, from Kamigawa, presumably. I didn't get into her lore too much, but we will eventually. Um, so uh, there's these futurists who are coming to speak with the Emperor. The Saiba futurists of Kamigawa are the predominant drivers of technology on the plane. Their directive is to push the boundaries of technology while ostensibly remaining neutral in politics. According to policy, they obey imperial restrictions on technological development, but only as any good capitalist would. They push the boundaries, toe the legal, moral, and ethical lines of what should and should not be done, in the name of progress, you know the type. They have um, lobbyists, clearly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's exactly like what this train is, is these these futurists coming to uh, commission or lobby the emperor to allow certain technologies. Again, that, you know, the life-saving uh, radiation tech that uh, Kaito's parents bought on the black market is probably approved or could be approved by now or something like that. It might have just been restricted in the past. The Imperials do take a pretty firm stance on slowing the advancement of technology uh, in the name of like, hey, we don't know what what could happen. You know, we don't want people making unreasonable weapons with this technology. Like it's happening too fast. We have unlimited energy sources. So kind of anybody in their garage can just start making like nuclear bombs, basically. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, yeah. There, there is there is some uh, you know logic to the the slowing it and putting a lot of uh, legal breaks on it and you see with Kaido's parents the exact like downfall of that the people who are left to die in the name of uh, rules and regulation. If we yeah. all had trebuchets, where would we park them all? Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we all had trebuchets, where would all the moths go? Because everyone would be shooting flaming boulders around the city. <laughs> we you confuse the moths too much, you know. Uh, so it, it can be argued that the futurist in, in, inventions have improved overall quality of life on the plane. They do hoard the best technologies for themselves to maintain their status. It's like, we're the, we're the technology guy. You know, we're Apple. You know, no, you can't have access to our... You're not allowed to repair your own goddamn iPhone because we're Apple. And we, we have to be able to be the ones to charge you to repair our iPhone or whatever right. to buy your Apple care. Um, so they don't even necessarily all work together. Uh, the futurists... Uh, does seem to be like a, a corporation in a sense, but it's like split into like multiple divisions, each headed by its own chief. Many of them are shrouded in a thick cloak of mystery, going so far as to employ spies to protect their project's own secrets and steal from other projects. Cool. Um, so it is still very much like, yeah, like we're it's very much the corporate like, hey, we're not we're not a company, we're a family, and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. But if I get the infinite money printing device, like it's for me, jackass. So yeah, okay. Fuck you, you know? Yeah, uh, like any good company. Uh, so for the most part, the futurists don't like to rely on Kami to power their devices. While some may have consulted with the Kami in the past, they typically rely like to rely on science over magic. It's not true of all futurists, but like by and large, this is the we don't need the Kami. 
I don't care what happens to them. Come through the merge gates. Don't come through the merge gates. Just let us focus on our our iPhones and things like that. Yeah, it's, uh, the, base, it's the based moon folk, basically. Ex exactly. And then, you know, whereas the Imperials are, are kind of trying to regulate the line between the two and just kind of put the stops on everyone. We'll get to some people who are more like, hey, let's just like full steam ahead, merge them both, and then we'll get to some people. Who are, well, the Order of Jugend, who we covered last time, are probably the more like, we should just let the Kami do what they want. Technology is always bad, yeah. right? Uh, as Kaito sat watching the distant train, he noticed that one futurist seemed to have arrived sooner than the rest. A moon folk hovering several inches above the grass with blue light glowing across their chest had arrived in the garden. So I have a picture of this fella for you guys, just because I think he's handsome. Uh, but he does have a lot of these um, origami cranes, like Peter, Peter mentioned earlier, but uh, on a much smaller scale than a mech, I guess you could say. Um, and he, he's a moon folk, so Kaito's sitting on the roof watching this train, then he notices, like, down in the gardens, there's one of these futurists just kind of sitting in the garden. They look much more ridiculous than I assumed, like, as, like the moon folk, that is, because this guy is dressed as, like, a combination, uh, he's, like, he's dressed as a clown. and court jester. Yeah, he's dressed as a clown, and they don't all dress like this, but this this guy in this picture certainly did, that's for okay. Um, so the man grabs something, a small metal triangle from his shoulder, it unfolds itself into a small metal crane, then takes off into the into the clouds. Now, why is this important? Outside tech is forbidden within Ayaganjo's walls. Like you can't just oh, he's bugging it. Yeah, you can't just bring in your your robot crane into the into the <laughs> palace without declaring, right? And then we're gonna check you on the way out to make sure that you still have this. How many yeah. times uh, do you have to fold something until it becomes tech? Eight. Uh, it's that's the after that's, the seventh that you yeah, can't exactly. do it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the big. That's the big hurdle that science is, is encountering right now. Oh honestly. yeah, we we built our flying city entirely based off eight times folded paper, and we're not going to share this. <laughs> <with you. laughs> uh, um, so Kaito seeing this, and despite being like generally, you know, uh, uninterested in in the Imperials. Um, does seem to have some kind of penchant for like doing the right thing. Uh, so he sneaks up behind this man and accuses him of do no goodery. Despite, <laughs> despite being so aggro, the two actually bond. It turns out that the futurist's parents had died in a toxic spill at work in the Undercity one day. Sound familiar? Oh. Wow. So I'll ignore the fact that you that the serial number on this origami crane has been ground off. You can yeah. just go away now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it, it seems like this guy, he, he tells this story of like, uh, he explains that if only the sensors at the factory had been up to date, maybe his parents would have lived, you know, uh, Kaido ends up sharing his story. He says, yeah, if your parents had access to the life saving technology that they needed, that your dad had, perhaps they'd still be here. And neither, neither of you nor your sister would have grown up orphans, which like, man, as an orphan must hit you, right? Must just yeah. be like, damn, that's a, that's a good ass point, dude. <laughs> uh, the man finally introduces himself as Katsumasa and left him with one of the origami drones he had sent into the sky. So uh, a little bit later, we're, we're going to tell some stories of uh, Kaito when he's a bit older. And all of those stories, you can assume he has, he's built this like bracelet where the origami drone can like come to rest and then he can like send it out and he can like do surveillance through its eyes. He has like a little, little uh, Google smart lenses or whatever Google lenses <laughs> that he can see oh, through his, his crane's eyes. Stupid fucking glasses. Yeah. yeah. It's like a familiar, exactly. a familiar in D and D. You can like send him off. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, uh, so it's laser beak from Transformers, like the cassette that pops out of the 
that that guy's chest is just like spies on people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Kaido keeps the conversation secret. The conversation they have with the future is secret. He doesn't tell his sister. He doesn't tell the emperor. He doesn't tell Light Paws. Um, you know, a couple of reasons why. Like he he mentions how he never told the story of like what happened to his parents. Like he didn't talk about it with his sister. He didn't talk about it with the emperor. And like the fact that he was candid with this guy just made him feel like weird. It felt like a strange betrayal, even though like he didn't do anything, but it did kind of seed that like early thoughts of like, oh, maybe this isn't just like the perfect happy-go-lucky place to grow up uh, without parents. Um, so he doesn't outright say it, but he does start to share some of those ideas with the emperor that like, hey, you know, like maybe if people had access, maybe we should like let clinical trials go through and quicker, you know, so people can get access to life-saving medicine who might need it, you know, let let dying people sign up to be the clinical trials or whatever, right? Because, like, yeah. they're going to die anyway. Yeah. So he's, like, kind of imparting some of these these ideas on the Emperor. Uh, there are others close to the Emperor, of course, who don't look kindly on people who are whispering radical ideas into the ears of their leader, though. Course, like healthcare? Right? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like, hey, there's this like great industry we have where people are like really really sick and we don't want them getting too much access to uh to medical aid at any given time so uh you should probably shut up kid you know <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh light separates them once more confronting kaito finally and demanding that they choose their path in life uh his sister had agreed to become a kami diplomat kaito had never like fully committed to to saying like yeah i'll be an imperial samurai you know, he's never said like, yeah, oh, when I grow up, I'll be a soldier. I'll, I'll enter the academy and I'll start doing that. At this point, he's really just like, he's taken some classes. He's the emperor's uh, sparring partner. And Lightpaws is like, okay, it's time for you to commit now. If you're going to keep, if you're going to be part of the imperial life and like have the ear of the emperor, we need to indoctrinate. Right. Okay. Uh, it didn't, it doesn't go well. He, he says no, basically. He says he's not ready to. He lists a lot of the reasons that Katsumasa had kind of imparted on him that like, hey, you know, we're not doing things the right way, and I, I don't think that things should be this way. I don't believe in what the uh, imperial uh, imperial doctrine stands for, I guess. Uh, so that night, Kato is lying in bed trying to find a good night's sleep while also being unsure if he has a home tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so he's already awake when alarms blare through the palace. Whoa. But more, more on that after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The sirens blared in Aiganjo Castle, and Kaito flew out of bed, grabbing his crane drone on the way out the door. He was heading to check on his sister, Aiko, when someone informed him there was an intruder in the palace 
an upriser. Hearing that, he's like, well, if they're uprisers, they're probably not going for my sister, right? So who are the uprisers? The Asari uprisers were a rebel faction opposed to imperial rule in Kamigawa. They, not unlike Katsumasa, believe that power and technology shared, not hoarded, and often clashed with the imperial. So these are the guys who are like, yeah, no, these are the libertarians. No rules and restrictions. Everybody okay. should be able to do whatever they want with they yeah. put the but who's gonna in. who's gonna pay for the giant tree? Is is yeah, the yeah. question. The yeah. one's like, oh well, I'm stumped, and then yeah. everyone laughs, and, and they get two percent of the vote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they put the kami and kamigawa. It was on the table. I had to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dad, dad, yeah. yeah. Um, so an attack on the palace was bold, even for the the uprisers, uh, but I suppose not unheard. Like I said, regardless, Cato knew he should. He they wouldn't be looking for Ico, but he was thinking of his friend, the Emperor. Even if he's you know not necessarily like I said loyal to imperial doctrine, he, it's yeah. still his friend. Radicals have broken into the palace. Who do you think they're going to go for? Well, I, I mean that should be obvious actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the two bite brownies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to the cafeteria. They're going to get the cream corn and the two bite brownies. Yeah. <laughs> he can't defend himself. Uh, the commies think two bite brownies should be shared like one bite yeah. one bite one bite according to his ability one bite according to his means yeah. <laughs> one bite per household uh, but where there's four of us you make it work uh, <laughs> uh, so at this point again the story makes a point of mentioning that while Iganjo Castle was well defended the rooftops were un often unsupervised which makes it seem like it wasn't well defended. <laughs> uh, right. yeah. So, uh, Kato, having experience, is like, I'm going, I'm going by the rooftops. Obviously, you know, that's uh, that's how I can get there fast. That's how I you know can jump go. over the electric, like the invisible dog fence from there. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and if you need to get down quickly, you can jump from the corner, and there'll be an eagle screech, and you'll land in a pile of hay and lose yeah. all yes. aggro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, if you're lucky, one of the enemies will be right there, and you can just assassinate. From the pile of hay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you only took that out in the later Assassin's Creed games. You cannot do that in Odyssey, where as soon as you land in the pile of hay, your character just jumps out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Weird. Weird. Uh, I haven't played since three. Don't. Uh, <laughs> even, even three, I didn't play very much. I played three a tiny bit. Oh, no, I played four a tiny Black so flag, I, good. But I, I played one and two. It was, uh, they were great. I played the uh, Egypt uh, one with. That, that was good. I liked it. Origin. Yeah. With, uh, I forget whose name. Bayek. Bayek, yeah, Bayek. Yeah, I felt more like an RPG. You could, like, level up and shit, and yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um, I'm screwed one day, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kaito, obviously, within the Animus, is stealing across the rooftops uh, <laughs> towards the Emperor's chamber. Yeah. Again, apparently, you can just access the Emperor's balcony from these unguarded rooftops. So, he gets there. He... <laughs> jumps onto her balcony, finds the door ajar. So it seems like maybe somebody else also figured out that the rooftops are unguarded. Because this the is a goofy open. plot hole. Because, like, this makes you think of Dishonored, right? Like, when you want to go assassinate the Lord Regent, you can just blink onto a chandelier, onto his balcony, and if his AI cycle has, like, randomly started there, you can kill him in, like, 40 seconds. Hmm. In a game, or, like, in a world where they don't assume people have teleportation magic or in can fly... They're just like, yeah, we don't need to put an electric dog fence around the emperor's balcony. But in a place where there is a fly, like a tree and flying cities above them, the fact that they 
like like what, what do you have, like what do you have like a like the like a French door with the swing lock on it? And it's yeah, just yeah. like all right, that's good <laughs> enough for the emperor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, in French uh, uh, doors in Quebec, we just call them doors. Exactly, I, that is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're always. I I hate how much they smell. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, inside the room was empty, with no sign of the emperor or an intruder. But in the distance, a scream sounded. It was coming from Kyodai Shrine, a place that Kaito knew of, but where he had never been. Inside, he saw the great... Uh, so he, he runs towards it. Inside, he sees the great Kami thrashing in the hot springs of her home with an eerie fog spread across the entirety of the room. If you guys remember Kyodai, it's like the weird like golden dragon in that like hot spring with like the three faces on, yeah. on its oh, front, yes. basically. Yeah. Right. Uh, a detail that... I didn't notice the first time, but when I was reading the description in this artwork, and I'll actually see if I can find the image again for you guys from the the other one. If you guys, I don't know if you can go close enough, but you see how it's like, it almost looks like hairy along the body and along the legs. Oh, yeah. Uh, those are actually human arms or human human shaped arms, basically. Uh, oh, yeah. Like hanging off its body, which I, they I thought look was kind of like. This might be like too specific for you, your guys' imagination, or like any normal person, but they look like ostrich or like emu feathers, like you know, like a fuzzy big bird. Because mm-hmm. uh, I thought they were like, I thought it was like fuzzy. Yeah, no, me, me too. That was that was my gut instinct that I was reading this story, and they at some point later on describe, or it might have been here actually. They describe the fact that it's got like these arms coming off all over its body. Um, it still looks fuzzy and- to me. I really need to get my eyes fixed. <laughs> <laughs> In the live episode last weekend, that uh, Jamie definitely needs glasses. He has booked himself a, a visit for the optometrist. Yeah, or yeah. he just looked at availability. So no, I, I booked one first week of August, right? Yeah, the the closest one I can find is over a month away, and other places were booked like two months up. Like it, it, yeah. people, they they neglected their eyes during COVID, just like I did, I guess. Well, <laughs> listen, you don't need to drive this week, honestly, for someone without glasses and no car. Like waiting eight weeks to see an optometrist doesn't really seem that bad. Yeah, <laughs> I just gotta squint whatever I'm like computer for that's all right just get the dollar store the dollar store like bifocals that like old just, ladies read uh like smutty airport novels in right like, right you just you don't need prescriptions for uh like reading glasses um and you can also i mean on your uh, oh he's he's pulling out he's his got, brown <laughs> inferno he's got his airport novel <laughs> he's ready to beat off baby yeah you can you can also just uh go full boomer and just go with like Point eighteen font on your computer, right? Ah, I'm thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kaito runs to Kyodai's shrine, where Kyodai, the great kami, is on its back, thrashing on the ground. Oh, Don't know no. what happened to it. Across the room, a man dressed in chrome armor, unlike anything Kaito has ever seen, with a clawed metallic arm, also like nothing uh, Kaito has ever seen. Also glowing with this purplish pink energy, unlike, you guessed it, anything Kaito has seen, locks eyes with the young orphan before fleeing out the out the door. That's very there's, cool though. There's a chase scene. I mean, listen or fans of Magic the Gathering who aren't familiar with this story might be screaming at their their radio right now the name of this person because it's probably a guessable character well it's got to come back right like if you have that (laughs) locked eyes moment with the main character you're Mm -hmm. more it's huge power like more powerful than anything before you have that two guesses for 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 all the for all the people listening at home we're not going to get to it today so it's like Uh, when uh, uh, ash sees 
Ash sees Ho-Oh in the very first episode of Pokemon. And we don't even get that Ho-Oh come back around until second gen, you know? Like, yeah. so, so we might be waiting a little while. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. at least. Yeah, where, of course, like, obviously at the beginning of Pokemon Yellow, you walk into Professor Oak's lab and he's writhing on the floor. And a, <laughs> golden, a golden bird flies out the window and you don't get to catch up to oh, it. What, what happened? <laughs> Pokemon Silver. <laughs> Po- Ash gets caught in like a storm of, of a certain type of Pokemon and then like crashes his heroes Spiros, yeah he crashes yeah. his bike and then there's a rainbow and Ho-Oh flies over and that's the end of episode one of Pokemon yeah yeah oh. and it kicks into hey Digimon hey Digimon champions yeah. of the digital world and, and then the next one starts ring 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 phone call phone call and he's there and he sees Ho-Oh is like on one of these like mystic oh never mind Pokemon later, guys. Pokemon later. <laughs> what? Uh, this is describing. Uh, Jay, we'll do a watch a watch party podcast of all the yeah. Pokemon anime. How about at I some point? describe them from memory to you guys? So <laughs> sounds better to me. <laughs> if like I've been looking for like a second, I guess in this case a third source of income, we can do a uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on every movie he's ever done style DVD commentary of Jamie watching Pokemon. <laughs> If you've ever listened to any of Arnie's um, I, I actually he just describes the scene he is watching, and that's it. No insight <laughs> whatsoever. Like there is no behind the scenes <laughs> content. It's it's like it's like DV. It's for like blind people, basically. But like <laughs> I, he's just I, I like, like doing it himself. I like I like this, uh, and we we have completely jumped out of this very tense moment of the story to like fully background pitch a new podcast. Clearly this one's not working for us. No, Sorry. no. <laughs> so I really like the idea of me and Peter watch all the Pokemon episodes and then Jamie tries to recite them all from memory. <laughs> well, that's a great <laughs> fucking idea. Away, right? Well, what, one thing that's come up in the past is this, like, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Jamie describes all the Star Warses, but has never seen them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that could be good, too. But... I've got some catching up to do, but that's, that'd be a cute little miniseries, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, so we leave off. When we... Makes icons. Arcado Boy, Roof Walker, makes contact yeah. with this guy covered in Google Chrome armor. And he's yeah. glowing. He's got the yellow. He's got the red. He's got the green. And then he's got yeah. the blue center right in the middle. Right, right. Uh, and there's a Firefox writhing on the ground behind him. He takes out his katana, Microsoft Edge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I might be able to do the artwork this this, this time. Too. I, 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 every time I see your arms go forward, so I'm just like, Ethan's got this one. I don't need to write that down. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm saying I might be able to to do the artwork. I might be able to bust out GIMP and take this background, put a Firefox uh, <laughs> Google Chrome logo, and then a Microsoft Edge logo. Well, you did it. the uh, you did the Ahiago Moon for Patreon last oh, week. So go yeah. for it, dude. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, he sees this man, the man flees, uh, Kaido is unable to catch them, but he does know one thing, that was no u- Upriser. Again, the arm and the chrome was too sci-fi, the purple energy was too strange, it's like nothing he's ever seen before, and he's yeah. probably, he hasn't seen Uprisers firsthand, he's heard stories, he's seen pictures, he's whatever, he's like, that's like something out of this world. <laughs> Uh, oh, <laughs> should we end right there? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a planeswalker, personally. It's my guess for the next episode. Like I'm okay, planting okay. that seed right now because I'm gonna okay. forget. After my after my out of this world pun, Pete locks in planeswalker. Jamie, yeah. you got anything but planeswalker, so what are you gonna take? 
Well, I, he's the first. <laughs> he's the first uh, pink or purple card in the Magic: The Gathering world. <laughs> oh, that's how they introduce it. <laughs> yeah, because they have pink and purple energy like pulsing around them, right? So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a uh, pink and purple lands basically. Yeah, for they're just like it's just blue red. They're like, no, it's new. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just that'd be called. Is it? Um, Kaito tries to tell Light Buzz and the other Imperials who had arrived uh, at the stunned Kyodai Shrine. Uh, and they did believe that it didn't seem like the work of Uprisers. They believed that Saiba Futurists must have kidnapped the Emperor to force her to change the laws. Did you say Cyber like a, a guy from Boston there? Cyber. Cyber <laughs> Futurists. With police and whatnot. Mm. Uh, Kaido is like fervently against the idea that this is Futurists. Again, it's just too foreign, even for the Futurists. This is like nothing he's ever seen. He's like, I got a fucking robot crane on my arm, and this guy was, like, channeling the fourth dimension, you know? Okay. Uh, he speaks up, but his teacher will not listen to him. Instead, Light Paws asked Kaido to leave and told him this was an Imperial matter. Again, the night before, he had just said, I'm not an Imperial, I'm, I'm going to leave, basically. So Light Paws is just like, hey, if you're not an Imperial, then this isn't for you. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Thus we offer you jurisdiction, and you turned it down, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we 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 promise you. Uh, what is it? Uh, qualified immunity, and you said oh, no. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> uh, so thus ends Kaido's life in the Imperial Palace. If you guys were a young orphan in a busy, uh, unforgiving city, under city. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jamie. Jamie's at one. Pete's locked in for a potential one next episode, if we all remember. Uh, <laughs> he finds himself in the inner city before too long. Lost and alone, he quickly falls afoul of the Reconi- Reckoners, excuse me, a loose organization of gangs which ruled the under... Reckoners. Reckoners. I, I Reckoners, <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily for him, it was just a debt he had to pay, easily done by picking up the odd job here and there. So he does something to piss off a crime boss or, you know, a member of a gang. And the crime boss says, like, hey, yeah, whatever. You know, you cross the gang, but do a little work for us and, uh, and we'll forgive you. You know, yeah, the classic the shit. Yeah, the classic honeypot. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, the history of the Reckoners as a loose name for an organization apparently traces back to before the Kami War. We didn't really talk about them on our first episode, but we could have. Uh, so they go well into the past. The uh, Kyozen Reckoners, as they're sometimes known. Uh, more commonly just known as the Reckoners now, uh, by at least one metric, are the most progressive group on Kamigawa. They're also, like the Uprisers, not against the use of either magic or technology. They're just like, hey, whatever's going to make me a buck. Uh, As long as there's money to be made, they're willing to use whatever they have at hand. They're not uniform. There's a wide host of gangs and bosses under the Reckoner umbrella, similar to the Futurists, and they often devolve into fights against one one another over turf, property, or just bad blood. The, I, I picture them all like patch one cyberpunk, by the way, where they just walk around the town. But if they deposing. get, yeah, if they approach <laughs> something like stairs, they just turn around and walk the other way. <laughs> yeah. Um, the leader of the Reconi- Reckoners, excuse me, was one Satoru Umazawa, whose name will sound familiar to many people who aren't named James or Peter. I think Umazawa uh, sounds kind of familiar for some can, reason. Can you remember why? For the bonus uh, points, tie no. it up with Jamie. Put yourself back in pole position. Uh, it, wait, Umaz- wait, wait, wait. It, it, it was in the Kamigawa episodes? 
Yes, it was in the coming. Wait, out one of the dragons. The reckoners were also briefly mentioned in regards to human at some point. Umazawa shares the name of Toshi Umazawa, whom our first Kamigawa in our first Kamigawa episode saved the Empress Michiko Konda and betrayed the Myojin of Knights. He was the the samurai who betrayed the gangs of the mountains. Ended up finding the the young woman and ended up protecting her and helping her to uh, get into a position. He's the one who stole the uh, disc containing uh, Kyodai. You remember the Myojin of oh, Night's Reach yeah. gave him the ability to teleport anywhere and escape from any enemy, and he used that to basically fuck the Myojin of Night's Reach over. Right. Uh, a crime for which he does get banished to Dominaria too. I said on the last episode that maybe we'll do a, a Toshiyu Mizawa episode someday. Right. I don't know how likely that is to happen at this point, just because like we're getting five deep into Kamigawa as it is without even touching him, but um, it's a cool story. Like I said in the first episode, if anybody wants to go read it, it is available online. Uh, so, Wait, so no, the none of what we talk about is available online, except for <laughs> through the Lower Boys podcast. Uh, I mean, yeah, you yeah. you gotta like read all these short stories. That doesn't sound nearly as fun as no. listening to us retell them badly, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With breaks to talk about what happened in the first two episodes of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like we said it before. That's, that's, the, the people are here for that, not not for what I'm saying. They're here for that. <laughs> Uh, so it's Satoru Umazawa is the leader of the Reckoners, like the head crime boss, this descendant of Toshi Umazawa. Okay. Uh, part of the initi- initiation rites for a Reckoner is something called a loyalty tattoo. It's a standard tattoo, except for one little detail. If you betray Satoru, the mark will eat into your flesh and kill you slowly and painfully. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. I have the loyalty card at uh, our local grocery store. It's, I feel like if you it's- never go to another grocery store, dude. <laughs> yeah, you are never shop anywhere else, <laughs> dude. Fuck off, wig- Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> I'm loyal. Provocate or die. It's okay? such a ripoff, but like, <laughs> I, I feel like I've spent over a thousand dollars and I still haven't gotten like ten dollars back. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's. Uh, it's back right like it's free money it's the idea yeah. uh so always worth but it's bullshit it's like the you know the whatever you get two percent back on your credit if, card You're if like, i worked Whoa. if i value my yeah. time though the minimum wage to have to hear someone say do you have a loyalty card and then pull it out if i could just have all that time back in my life i could make more money than just having to deal with that <laughs> is what I'm saying. Probably. Yeah. I gotta download the Super C app at some point. You can, you can always pull your card out what bef- like before you go I, to the camp. I do. I'm very efficient. I, I pack my own bags and everything. I'm in and out, dude. But still, in yeah. and out. Yeah. Um, so luckily for our, our young orphan, the Reckoner's ID, the uh, Provigo uh, <laughs> loyalty card, <laughs> uh, has a... Um, has an age limit. So they, they do card, I guess, the Reckoners. Oh. And he's too young to be fully initiated. So they, they won't initiate him at 15 or whatever. Yeah, I think he's 15 when he joins the Reckoners. Okay, no uh, tattoos until you're 18. I see. I, I think it's 16 is when they'll like start considering it. But if you're 18 and you haven't gotten a tattoo yet, you're, you might as well just be an enemy. Okay. You can yes. kill people. You can kill people for money when you're 18, but you can't get the tattoo till you're 21, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And before 15 to 18, you just hang around the bar and go buy smokes when people run out, kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. So I mean, that's a lot of what his his work to start is. He's like a pickpocket uh, mainly, so it's a lot of like nonviolent stuff, just like small small time things. Uh, so, you know, a year or so, he he works as this this kind of pickpocket 
you know, whatever, run and get some smokes, uh, refill the kegs kind of guy. Uh, he uses many of the skills he'd learned in the palace to survive far below it. But he's not going to just survive for too long. He's going he's gonna to thrive. Your boy's going to thrive, okay? All right. Uh, after spending a year working for the Reckoners, Kaido had come to realize that their intelligence network was unparalleled even by the Empire, especially when it came to shadowy figures with strange robotic arms. Oh. Uh, if anyone could help him get to the person who had kidnapped his friend, it was the Reckoners, though he knew that they likely wouldn't do it willingly. Uh, there is, like, a strange man behind the curtain... Uh, Empire, Empire assassin, there might even be a good chance that he was working with the Reckoners at some point, right? Um, so he's he's kind of like towing this line of like, he's uh, he's going to use the Reckoners as much as he can. He keeps kind of like taking these jobs that get progressively more and more, uh, you know, dangerous or, or violent gang-like behavior. Uh, there is like a scene in, in the story where he completes a pickpocket mission, is going back to return it to the boss, uh and the you know one of the others confronts him and is like well like you just stole the you just stole what you were going to, to steal like you didn't send a message you didn't kick the shit out of the guy you know blah 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 and it, it kind of turns into this this thing i guess um right after which satoru umazawa the big guy calls him into the office basically says the same thing and is like yeah like you know you, you don't have your loyalty mark yet you're rising in the ranks. Like I wanna, you know, I wanna know. Are you really? Are you really legit? And you really, are you really a reckoner? Basically. Yeah. yeah. And you, you didn't rough him up at all. Like, are you qualified really to be a Walmart greeter if you didn't rough him up on his way in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Are you ride or die. If you're not ready to throw down in the in the parking lot and rip someone's you know wig off, then uh, you're not ready to work <laughs> at Walmart. Thank you very much. Because that happens uh, recently. <laughs> I don't know. I can only assume it happens every day. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of Walmarts. So, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely at least a, I'd say, four or five times a day thing. Easy. <laughs> um, so, Kaito meets Satoru, who's like, hey, dude, are you really a reckoner? But also recognizes how good Kaito is at being a thief. Like, he does recognize the merit there. So, even if he's like not a reckoner yet, He's not willing to like straight up like put it to a head and be like, yeah, you got to get the fucking tattoo because he doesn't know what's going to happen. So he's like, he is valued Kaito as, as a thief. Um, so the boss gives him a job, high profile, a new target, a moonfolk futurist who had some schematics that Satoru wanted for the record. <laughs> the, the schematics are all folded up into an origami. <laughs> <laughs> he folded them many times. I can't get them unfolded, David. <laughs> 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 like like one drop of sweat like hits the tip he's like <laughs> it's like diffusing a bomb it's like is it a left fold or a right fold it's like, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> what's what color are you seeing now on the cookie catcher i'm seeing red and yellow <laughs> <laughs> lift the blue tab no the red tab <laughs> how, how many times did you how many times did you switch sides i, I can't remember <laughs> He's in like the EOD shit. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like tied up to a bunch of Nokia cell phones in the desert. Uh, <laughs> like a cootie catcher in Iraq. He's like... <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the schematics that the crime boss is looking for specifically are apparently there's some intel that this guy may have figured out how to straight up merge Kami spirits with technology. Whoa. And like fuse them into one thing. Oh, okay. Um... So that's like powerful. Would be powerful, I guess. Uh, Kaito, yeah. is, 
sorry, I just see Steve Jobs coming out onto the stage on like with his like turtleneck, you know, turtleneck. he's wearing his sneakers, he's eating a pear or something, and he comes out and why would he be eating a pear? Like as a, as an ironic joke? Yeah. <laughs> and he comes out and he's like, the new iPhone. We've combined technology with spirits. And then he pulls up his iPhone and he talks to his dead grandmother on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, what if what if Tim Cook came out and talked to Steve Jobs like that? Oh, that's oh, right, that's uh, better. Yeah. That's better. And he's eating a a, a spirit pear, yeah. <laughs> a spirit pear in the afterlife. Mm. Boy, I love this. Well, actually, it's going to be called the I Life, I think, from now on, or something okay, like that. Yeah, yeah. Afterlife, yeah. The uh, no, it's from... lowercase L, capital I, yeah, F E. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh. So Kaito's given just a name to Meshi. He does his research. He figures out what the hit. Tameshi is holed up in the Bosaiju district, which meant Kaito was bound to run into some kami during the job. He's never been to the Bosaiju district. Pretty much closed off to the public. It's uh, guarded by two kami known as Kodama. So I'm going to send you guys two pictures. Oh, I didn't send you guys the... Here's a crime boss. It's not sending. In, uh, in Neo and Neo 2, the Kodama are these little green dudes who wear, like, rice bowls on their heads. They look like babies. Whoa. Uh, so that's the crime boss. That's uh, Satoru Umazawa. Serious fucking fella. Love the colors in that picture. Yeah. Uh, very pink. Very... Look at all of that pink and purple. Um, some green, too. Yeah. Uh, here's the Kodama of the West Tree, as they're known, and I will send you guys the Kodama of the oh East Tree, and I'll, I'll That's let a you very... guys take, take a crack at describing those. Jesus Christ, they're Elden Ring like. <laughs> yeah, I guess for the bottom one, it does look like mang. It's like mangrove tree roots and like this gigantic like amber core in the middle of it, and it's also super pointy. It kind of looks like uh, it looks kind of like a like a crest of some kind that you'd yeah. wear around your neck. And it's held up by all these like twisty vine legs and has like, uh, like an amber jellyfish flying around it as well. Yeah. Three, three legged amber sperm. Yeah. Uh, floating around its head. Jamie, you want to, you want to try and uh, describe the first one? Yeah. So in, uh, we're in a forest and there's this thing that's walking on, Oh my eyes are bad. On three legs on either side, six legs. <laughs> Jamie, you wanna you wanna read the top line for me here? Yeah. <laughs> read the next line for me. Oh man, I, I don't know how I'm gonna last a month. Uh, <laughs> so on his back, there's like this like blue um, kind of like base on the spine that kind of goes up to tendrils up to the shoulders. Then it kind of reach down into the arms, and there's like six arms that go down, and he walks on them like that have these big old tree handsy things. I think there's a face in the middle, but my eyes are too bad to see. No, there's no face. It's kind of just like a blue orb with like shapes. He's got four arms kind of folded in like meditation. And like, he seems to be like built out of like a piece of a monolith or something like that. Um, these are, these are the Kodami uh, spirits who uh, guy guard either end of the forest. The Kodami I just love the, mommies. yeah, Kodami mommies got, got guarding the forest uh, on the top one. Peter said there's those like, <laughs> um jellyfish or whatever that are, are circling around the the east tree the kodama of west tree has these like very friendly looking little like guys in farmer hats like patty rice hats basically little so like forest like, spirits 
these look much more like the Kokodama from from Neo, from like Japanese folklore. Which yeah. in in Neo, they're like these tiny little like kind of baby looking things that wear different kinds of hats and they give you different kind of passives, basically. Yeah, exactly. They they look like the uh, the Kodama from uh, Princess Mononoke as well. If anyone's anyone's seen that, just like friendly tree spirits, I guess. Yeah. Uh, whereas the East tree looks very like it looks menacing. I, I'd say the second one is like very red. It's very imposing. The first it's one pointy. like. The first one, he's like in a peaceful pose with like his forearms kind of crossed in prayer, and there's these like friendly little spirits on top of him. <laughs> Pete, said, uh, I'm sorry to derail once again, but Pete sent the an eye test. And you know, in every eye test, it, there's like it's rows of letters, and they get progressively smaller. And there's always that big E at the top. Mm-hmm. Who's the big E for? Is it just me. for? Well, you I'm, are big. I'm e. big E, man. You are big E. Yeah. Man. Is it just like? <laughs> can you read any of these? Nope. Oh, you're blind. Like, <laughs> do they not know that someone well, with a cane who just came in? Well, <laughs> what's even What's even better about that is I'm pretty sure I read one time that it's like there's always an E at the top for a reason or something like that. So it's like <laughs> you can just memorize the test at home, dude. <laughs> no, yeah, well, well, who's doing that though? Who Who yeah. are you helping really by by cheating oh, at an eye test? When I go to the eye doctor and I just saw this meme or this tweet today, yeah. when I go to the eye doctor and they tell me to read the letters, I say no. You can read them yourself, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not helping you. I'm paying you to be here. I'm going to read your shit for you. Come on. Yeah. Give me, we'll, yeah, give me glasses, doc. Yeah, and whenever you're like showing me one picture and then another picture and saying, is this clearer or blurrier, uh, better show me cool stuff like hot women. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. And hot dogs. Yeah, not too hot dogs, because I'll get hungry. I want, the, uh, I, I, I want the strip eye test where it's just like, <laughs> you've got yeah. like the better or worse and like one lens and... takes her clothes off one, le- one lens puts her puts her eye puts better um, <laughs> oh, way better do you see now hmm? yeah. uh, seven you just like trick dumb horny men into getting the glasses they need by doing like <laughs> sexy eye tests <laughs> uh, okay so kami so needs to get into Bosaiju district it is guarded by these kami he is going here to steal a dangerous technology which could imprison Kami spirits in technology and basically enslave them to be used against their will, right? Uh, these things guard the entrances to this place. And he knows these are probably not the only Kami that he's going to run into while he's out there. Luckily, Kaito has a sister training to be a Kami diplomat, right? Oh, right. So he, he, call, he gets in touch with his sister, and they haven't really spoken in, in the last year since he left the, the palace. Uh, <laughs> he's been she, hanging out with some no-good nicks, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Man. And she's, she's been very prim and proper and living her best life up in the palace. Yeah. Um, Aiko agrees to help him because she is concerned uh, about you know this technology as well. About. On one condition, you just put shoes on when you come over. He's like, "Fuck no, <laughs> narc." <laughs> I mean, if anything, it was it would be you got to take your shoes off when you come over, right? Because I don't Japan, know, probably, it, like, in Japan, it's very disrespectful to leave your uh, shoes on in the house. So it's like I was thinking, just like the charcoal black bottom, like hippie feet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Ico manages sorry, to convince Pete is always thinking about dirty feet. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just one of these things that just keeps Alexa, coming up. Alexa, show feet. Uh, that's, that's for as for any listeners at home who are not on headphones who have an Alexa. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Aiko convinces the Kodama of the West Street to enter, the friendly looking one, to let them enter, which I, I love that one of them looks friendly and one of them looks very angry. And the canon story was like, yeah, they go to the West one. They go to the, yeah, the friendly yeah. looking one, you know? The one uh, with the uh, rounded edges is way more forgiving if you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Mr. Pointy over there. Uh, Mr. Pointy wants to give you a hug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, she omits tactfully the reason for their visit. They do find Tameshi's work eventually after wandering the forest for a bit before they find the moon folk himself. Kaito parts with his sister, uh, basically saying like, hey, I've got it from here. Thank you. Uh, and he spots a cage on the ground and is approaching it when the futurist ambushes him, ambushes the ambusher. Oh. Same guy? It is not. Oh. It's a, a new new moon folk, this guy Tameshi. He's not using a pseudonym. His name is Tameshi. So Aiko hadn't gone far. She was leaving a gift for the spirits, like the good kami diplomat that she was when she saw the fight break out. She runs over. She breaks it up before Kaito manages to kill Tameshi because he did have him in, in position two. But as the pride-wounded mood folk stood, he noticed something that Kaito had. The origami machine with Katsumasa had given him in a garden in Aiganjo. So he notices his origami crane machine. Right. Uh, he basically says, like, oh, like, what is that? Where'd you get that? And Kaito's like, uh, my friend Katsumasa gave it to me, okay? Don't even worry about it. And then Tameshi's like, dude, you're friends with Katsumasa? I'm friends with Katsumasa. We should be friends. <laughs> uh, they, they have, they basically have a moment where they, they bond over, uh, Katsumasa. And cool. bunk beds. Uh, <laughs> they talk a lot. They, you know, some accusations fly around, like, oh, you're, you're trying to enslave Kami and, you know, do all these terrible things. Tameshi's like, I'm no villain. I'm just working to protect the Kami by offering them sweet robot bodies. If you could have a robot body, wouldn't you take it? If you didn't have a body in the in the world here, you could have a sweet robot body to protect your your soft spirit inside. Wouldn't you want it? Oh, yeah. Because like so, it is inconvenient. Every time they get killed, they get cast out, and they have to like regenerate in the spirit world, and then maybe they just get like launched through a border again or something, right? I, I actually don't know how it works in... Now that like it's smaller, if they do recoalesce in the spirit world, if they coalesce in the material world, or if they don't coalesce at all, because there's like not enough room in the spirit world again, and like okay. there's specifically these merge gates that they have to travel through. I'm I'm not sure how it works, but just show way, up on your relative's iPhone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. eating a pair. <laughs> yeah. a pair. Yeah. Uh, so. I, either way, it seems they are like vulnerable to some extent. And Tameshi, this moon folk, has been working on a technology that would allow them to take on robot forms or like metallic bodies. Basically. Yeah, it's like a vessel, basically, uh, it, for them to possess. Yeah, he, he did have a robot body that he uh, nearby that he was using to try and attract a specific Kami into that cage, the aforementioned cage, uh, which was in the form of a Tanuki. Do you guys know what a tanuki is? Oh, it's a raccoon with a big scrot. Do they have big scrotes? That's I think I think you, like canonically tanukis have big old like big old scrotes, yeah. I, yeah. I can I'm going to send you guys a picture of one. It looks like it's got a bit of a pouch <clears throat> now that you mention it. Yeah. Because I know again in Neo, which is my only uh uh like my only reference for any kind of Japanese folklore, the I thought they were armadillos for a while because in Neo, the Cuz armadillos is, got big balls. No, because the, the they their scrot in Neo on the Tanukis is tucked backwards over the grundle, and then they wear the their like ball sack on their head. So oh, I thought yeah. it was a, yeah. I thought it was a shell. 
Okay. Yeah, I always thought it was just like Japanese pervy meme that they had big balls. But... Oh, this is a real tanuki. I thought you were talking about a folklore tanuki. Uh, yeah. So the tail that lets you fly in Super Mario Bros. Three is the tanuki suit. It's called. That's no tail, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, he's just swinging his big old new ball sack around. It's like like uh, like tails the fox, but it's like two balls. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I had always thought that they were uh, mythical, uh, which there is a lot of like folklore and legend based around them. Then I had thought that then someone told me they were real and I thought they were red pandas. And then when I was researching today, I was grabbing a picture of one in case you guys didn't know. And I realized they're these like very adorable raccoon dogs, mm -hmm. which yeah, uh, they're very cute. But here's a folklore one holding like a whatever, like a, a water bottle wearing a sun hat and it's just sitting on his giant balls. Yeah, he's got oh, like, he's got he's got the Declaration of Independence. He's got a bag of seeds, and he's sitting on his like South Park Stan Marsh esque. I had that in my copy <laughs> paste. I was about to put yeah, it yeah. in. We we found the same. <laughs> Jamie posting the same meme. Uh, we'll post it in the uh, the memes channel after this with no context. So well, here, uh, if, here's if here's you guys saw, like yes, if you guys saw a picture of a Tanuki yesterday, there's your context finally. Here's the same one. He's, I think he's like carrying a bottle of sake. He's got like a an umbrella and is like dragging his. Balls. Oh yeah, he's his his balls are a cape. Why are their Why are their nutsacks so big? Oh my <laughs> god, the, the folklore thing. I don't know. Check this one out, guys. This one's a fucking creepy one. It looks like people are fighting back against his balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Mount Fuji's at the background of this one too. Actually, yeah, wow. very nice. Um. Yeah, so uh, we'll say that the Tanuki for this story is the very big, bald, bald one. Lord Boy's canon, the Tanuki machine that he's made is not this adorable little raccoon dog. The wholesome moment that I wanted to share with you guys <laughs> is the big nut, big nut raccoon. Uh, okay, big well, nut trash panda. To be fair, Jamie and I did not ruin this wholesome moment. It, Japanese folklore from probably the 8th century ruined this. <laughs> yeah. Long ago. Let's, let's be real. I no, found no, a no, statue. No. This, is of now. This, is, this is the machine that we're, we're dealing with. Okay, why, for the rest of the this guy's <laughs> big balls, little dick, man. That's the way to be. That's me. All balls, yeah. no dick. That's yeah. that's my... The first the first character I ever beat Dark Souls with was named All Balls, No Dick. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, is no villain. He just wants to give Kami bigger balls. Uh, so he wants to build them robot bodies with which to house such girthy oh, balls. I've been posting uh, all these balls. Didn't exist. I've been posting all these balls pics in memes chat. I thought it was funny. <laughs> you said, oh no! <laughs> you, you said, take a look at this one. I was like, I don't see anything. I guess it didn't send. I went I back. I guess he forgot, yeah. It's like, oh no, he's posting them in memes for sure, which <laughs> we said we do. So everybody gets the no context to do. Uh, uh, yeah. So, um, he says, like, yeah, here's this Tanuki robot form. I'm searching for a robot Kami. It turns out Aiko was searching for a robot Kami, Whoa. and it's part of the reason that she agreed to help her brother. So on the night on, of the attack on Aiganjo Castle, Aiko hadn't been carrying alone in her room, but instead had been looking for Kaito. What she saw while all the guards were distracted with assassins and whatnot uh, was a blinding flash of light, which she knew instinctively as the birth of a kami. And she saw it take the form of a tanuki. Okay. She knew kind of inherently, and uh, Tameshi confirms 
that this kami, the kami that he's looking for, is the embodiment of the relationship between the emperor and Kyodai. So uh, we've kind of talked about it before, how all the different kami represent like a thing, uh, where Michiko Kanda and Kyodai merged early on in, in their life to form one, basically, and be the bridge between the spirit world and the material world. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. That, like, that essence of their bridging is what this kami is. Uh, and it, it was born in that moment in front of Aiko at Aiganjo Castle. Wow. Such a kami would have immense power over merge gates, the weakenings of fabric where power was generated, lost kami spilled into the world, uh, you know, lets you kind of teleport into the spirit world. Uh, and so we were kind of talking about how like, oh, you know, you could probably create some pretty dangerous technology by merging a kami with technology. This is like the most dangerous kami to merge with technology, basically. You're putting yeah. a, a nuclear reactor in whatever technology you want, basically. You're putting a nuclear reactor in a raccoon's giant scrotum. And <laughs> <laughs> all, all, the all the power of the fission of the sun in a raccoon's nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> Doc Ock, just like the big scrotum in front of him. <laughs> pulling in everyone's jewelry. <laughs> That's how uh, they got so big was the radiation. The power of raccoon balls in the yeah, palm yeah, exactly. of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Aiko and Tameshi had been searching for the same thing, but all Ka Kaito could think of was was this the impl the implication. Uh -oh. If this fell into the wrong hands. Whoever had it would become the most powerful figure in the whole city, maybe the entire plane, pretty much right away. Like, if you get your hands on, like, this thing trapped in a box that then you could do whatever you want with the box, you're instantly, like, person number one. The three were discussing it here in the forest, relatively alone, when, before, uh, uh, when, excuse me, I, I have a quote for you guys to end us off here. I just didn't italicize all of it that I meant to. Um... So here's a quote from the story, uh, Kaito Origin Stories, The Test of Loyalty and the Path Forward by Akemi Don Bowman, of which like pretty much everything we've talked about has been from this story. Before anyone could say another word, a noise echoed outside the canyon, a sound Kaito knew all too well. A shout, a song, and a whisper like three voices layered on top of one another, the voice of Kyodai. It can't be, Kaito mouth. He moves slowly across the grass, eyes scanning the distance for a flash of the great kami. Kyodai never left the temple. If she were here in Jukai Forest, did that mean the emperor? Had the emperor returned? Kaito didn't wait. The hope in his heart was too powerful, too desperate. Ignoring the warning shouts from Aiko and Tameshi, he raced after the sand. He fought branches and brambles, kicking up clumps of dirt and running until his chest burned. There were so many things he wanted to say to her again, but mostly he just wanted to see her face and know that she was okay. Kaito skidded to a halt at the foot of an enormous camphor tree, the branches twisting in spirals and the leaves glittering an emerald green. But Kyodai wasn't there, and neither was the emperor. Instead, he saw the tanuki-shaped kami with glowing white eyes and translucent fur, and the kami saw him. So that was kind of origin stories, test of loyalty, uh, a stranger in Iganjo, lies, promises, and neon flames, uh, with a, a little sprinkling of the article Planeswalker's Guide to Kamigawa. Um, in there, we will get to more tales of kaito uh his sister and his newfound kami friend himoto uh on my next episode very cool uh, uh, th thanks so much for listening everybody 
Uh, it's been my pleasure as always. If you like the show, consider leaving us a review, telling your friends, telling others, giving us a shout, sending us an email. We did a mailbag episode over the weekend on twitch.tv slash the lore boys. Was a ton of fun. Was amazing to see everybody come out and interact with everybody and just have chats with everybody while having a couple beers and, and being generally goofy, I think it's fair to say. A couple, in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on stream, so it was a couple. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know if Jamie finished one beer on that whole stream. I don't uh, think he did, and he, he shotgun one in my bathtub to not make a mess, which was nice. <laughs> he was trying to keep us on rails. How did it go, Jamie? Oh, uh, we actually we had a tight we had a tight like three hour stream and two hours of like recording, I think. And if and you guys will get to hear that too out in the wild, and uh, you can probably still catch the vod for a little bit longer, but eventually that'll die on stream. But we'll we'll, we'll bring it back to life in audio format and probably on YouTube, and then. Also, there's bonus content in there too. So there's uh, oh yeah other ways to get bonus content. So yeah, yeah, you get to you can cheat the bonus content if you can find the bot. Yeah. Uh, the and what what bonus content are you talking about? Why the Patreon bonus content? Yeah. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, we do have a Patreon, Patreon.com/LoreBoys, uh, where you we have a couple of tiers where you can get a couple of different perks. You can get the loser titles, the titles that didn't quite make it this episode, but are usually just inside jokes from the show. Uh, we do a fun guessing game where everyone tries to guess what episode what the episode's going to be about based on what these same out of context quotes usually are yeah uh, and um discord, those are posted discord perks you get access to like discord chats that not the general public are in that some cool combos go in uh, sometimes yeah. like some live updates while i'm like playing games or like asking people to hop into games together um the prime folks kind of have our own little community going yeah yeah we said at the top of the show but comic-con is coming up uh you know, if you guys do want to uh, get in touch with us uh, in person, then Montreal Comic Con 2022 is the place to do it. We're going on the Saturday, July 9th, like we said before. If yep. you could make it, it'd be great to see you. Even if you can't make it to actual Comic Con and you're around that night, by all means, uh, we'll be organizing something on Discord, just given some locations uh, where people can meet up with us and get Having hiccups in other places, yeah. clearly. Yeah, yep. uh, too much water. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and of course pete's gonna be debuting some some panels from his comic or something uh, i don't know what he's gonna be doing uh there is a different thing that is done and available it is a short story that i finished and that's prints are going to be available of that uh there's going to be some some prints available for my comic and then uh lore boys we don't uh we, we don't have any prints available because you, you, it's shockingly you can't just sell uh, uh jokes about other people's work which is all the lore boys art is because we can't, can't license the font baby uh, but we will be there in business cards regardless i mean we're we're attached onto that but also the other guys at squared there's a bunch of stuff that's going to be available that might tickle your fancy that might not necessarily be something that i personally have done um but it's all done by people i work with and and admire very much and and th they're all good so i'm gonna be cosplaying myself but i gained a bunch of weight so that i didn't actually gain weight during COVID. <laughs> it's just a cosplay he's, he's cosplaying fat jamie yeah yeah that's what exactly I'm he he thin jamie is cosplaying fat jamie. yeah it, it's there. me in uh, a fat suit which is my skin and fat <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, July 9th, 2022, uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Palais yeah. de Congrès. It's Place des Arts Metro. On the green line, check us out. It's yeah. easy to find. It is easy to find. Uh, 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I already plugged the Patreon, so I won't do it again. But if you don't trust Patreon, then we do have Lore Boys Prime, the the first and the greatest. Now, uh, we've done a lot of crazy projects on the uh, on Lore Boys Prime, so we're done with that. We're not doing any more crazy projects; just things grounded in reality. We want to see how big a raccoon's balls can get. Okay, so we're gonna need, <laughs> we're gonna need your guys' help with two things: a securing raccoons for us to experiment on uh, injecting various substances into their testicles to engorge them uh, and be getting us clean needles because the pharmacy has stopped giving us clean needles at this point. Uh, They don't think we're junkies. They found out what we're doing and they said, no, you can't have these. Uh, (laughs) They'd prefer junkies had them to be quite honest. Save them for Uh, the junkies. Yeah, yeah. Clean needles. Heroin guys are the raccoon guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we've we've tried injecting a few things. Marmalade uh, actually had some some great results. Uh, you know, just straight tree sap uh, was a little too sticky, a little too viscous for the syringes. So we broke a couple of syringes. To do that yeah, one. I actually lined up ten raccoons, and I used syringes to take out all the stuff from their balls, just to put it into one other raccoon's well, ball. Yeah, yeah. We did. We did oh, try yeah. raccoon, raccoon semen. Yeah, on one of them. Yeah. Well, I just uh, tried raccoon ball ball fluid. I don't know if Ball it's food. semen. Is semen stored? In- yeah, semen is, is stored in the balls. Is, yeah. is piss stored in the balls? Is that we've come we've come full circle to a, a meme from two years ago? Uh, yeah. That was today, lore boys. Hey, lore, lore boys. boys. Out. Goodbye. Out. He was with uh, us, so that guy thought he they like they thought they were taking two young girls home, right? Oh, right, and, and then, then they, like they brought four guys. <laughs> yeah, they brought four, four guys to the to the one girl. But, oh, uh, oh, I, I I didn't realize. I we 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 cucked that dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so hard. The, the night Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 